Hi, and welcome to Your Prosperity, a podcast series on financial topics, including tax, wealth creation, superannuation, lending, audit, and many other things that we deal with here on a regular basis at Prosperity Advisors. As with all financial podcasts, any advice you hear in this is general in nature and not to be relied upon. Please contact us for any specific advice. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, today, I've got with me Zach from Hill House Legal Partners. We're going to talk to you about something probably more relevant for our GP clients, of which we have many and of which Zach has many, which is uh, convenient. Um, talking about amnesty. So Queensland in particular, or Queensland started a bit of a trend where we've got a payroll tax amnesty for general practitioners. Unfortunately, just for general practitioners doesn't seem to extend elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about all that, that amnesty and we'll touch on a few other state amnesties as well. Should you register? Should you apply for this amnesty? Should you not? Have a quick chat about those sort of things. So Zach, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Brennan. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, pleasure, pleasure. So Zach and I see each other at a few events and a few conferences here and there. So uh, yeah, when uh, when this topic came up, I thought, who better? Let's get Zach in. We'll have a chat. Zach, uh, without getting caught up in all the detail, I guess the Queensland came out with this uh, this amnesty around Australia Day, I think it was this year, where they, they had an amnesty for GPs, from a bit of pressure from AMA, and I think you might have been involved with some of that as well, Zach, if I recall. Uh, a bit of pressure to have an amnesty for GPs because there was a bit of a change in the way they considered um, who was an employee from a state point of view, not from a federal point of view. Um, and they've basically said that any payment to a contracting GP, which was previously considered just that, a, a contracting GP, would then be considered wages from a officer state revenue, a Queensland point of view. And everyone went, what? And now we've, uh, now we've got to deal with this. So they've offered an amnesty, which is great. Zach, give us some of the... Uh, Pin highlights, I guess, of, of that amnesty and what we need to think about. Yeah, look, I mean, it's a, it's a like anything government. It's been complicated and complex, and there's been a little bit of, uh, I'd argue, a lack of transparency on components of it. Starting off with the original, I suppose, implementation or the first ruling pre-Christmas that sort of shocked everybody and everyone's on Christmas holidays, come back to work and go, what does this mean? And as you mentioned before, yes, there was a bit of, uh, I suppose, lobbying and pressure in behind. And then the amnesty sort of came out not too long after that to at least try and provide some certainty or clarity on um, buying some time, for want of a better phrase, to yes. work out what all this means and what to do. So, but then, of course, from there, we've seen many clients go like, I suppose, should I opt into it? What does it mean? Well, how do I go about it? Um, and then there's been some hesitancy about that in terms of, if you nominate into the amnesty, then admitting you're guilty of non-compliance, do you have to pay it straight away? Do you have to pay it in the future? And so it's been meandering along, in my view, for a few months further, again, seeking additional clarity for then practices to try and make, you know, an informed decision about whether the best course of action for them is to opt in yeah. or ignore this thing and what it means for them and their practice. And on that point, we we got a bit of clarity recently, which was, I guess, a, a good thing. Um, there was some clarity, wasn't there? Just when was that released? There wasn't. Yeah, really look, it was only a, you know, I'm, it's certainly within the last fortnight. Yeah. Um, the Queensland government released, uh, uh, you know, a, a payroll tax amnesty GP. I don't know workflow, if you want to call it that. Um, what you need to know is sort of about the expression of interest process. The major thing for us wasn't the process itself, to be honest, on trying to talk to clients about what to do. It's more, should I apply for it or should I not? And there was, as I mentioned, some concern that if you did, 
as an indication there was going to be, you know, audit activity on you and you might get in trouble. But they've tried to, in this latest release, I suppose, assure everybody that applying for the amnesty does not therefore mean you are guilty and you are liable for it moving forward once the amnesty expires. So that additional comfort was sought from AMA and a whole bunch of other bodies, and it seems to have been at least partially forthcoming, which is a good thing. Makes sense. If if it's an amnesty, it should be an amnesty. It shouldn't be a double-edged sword, but I know there was definitely some concern out of there, and I think there was pretty low take-up numbers, but I think with most amnesties, people do it at the last minute anyway. That's the way traditionally people will do these things. Very much so. The the data I saw, and it's uh, online, to be fair, and I'm not saying it was verified, but was less than 100 practices had taken it up, and they were hoping a huge component of the medical industry would have taken it up. So I think this clarification point, they realised there was concerns or fears about what it meant, and so they've tried to allay those fears to get people to take it up. But I do think uh, there'll probably be a pretty mad rush on that EOI portal towards the 29th of September. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine, absolutely. And and I guess before we get into that nitty-gritty, we, we might run through just where we think it's appropriate you would reply for that amnesty and where you wouldn't, and there are situations where you wouldn't, wouldn't. Um, before we lose all our other viewers who go, I'm not in Queensland, or listeners, I should say, who aren't in Queensland, there is some other action out there as well. We're not going to dive deep into every state's nuances because while these systems were pretty similar a few years ago, they're not all the same now in Queensland, I guess. Well, actually, Victoria started this with, you know, uh, I guess a case down in Victoria alleging that or saying that the this would be considered uh, payroll. Uh, and then New South Wales followed suit. Queensland didn't have any cases, but they came out with that private ruling. Then Queensland came out with an amnesty. Then what? Uh, South Australia pretty much did a copy-paste on Queensland's documents and substitute uh, South Australia instead of Queensland and pr- produce theirs with some shorter timeframes. WA are the old rules where they're not doc- they're not considered uh, uh, taxable wages from, from a state government point of view. New South Wales have said they're going to pause um, action on payroll tax against medical centres. ACT, I think, have said it is an amnesty, but you have to be 60% bulk billing. Please don't quote me on any of that. That is just the rough state of play to explain that everything's different. Is there anything I've roughly missed there, Zach? Are you as bewildered by all the different rules as I am on that one? (laughs) That's a pretty good summary. They are. There's some have amnesties, some don't. Some are for longer periods of time. Some you've got to nominate in. Some you don't. Um, And then you got to have bulk billing for (laughs) the ACT one is conditional on your practice doing something which. Again, I find a little bit confusing in terms of they're either fall under this regime or they don't, but then we give you an extra leave pass if your bulk billing services are a certain threshold or not. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? But look, I think the governments, to be honest, respectively across the states are sort of on the hop a little bit. They've implemented this stuff. They haven't appreciated, I don't think, um, in advance some of the fallout or kickback that might happen from it and what it might actually mean, I think, globally to the cost of medicine or the viability of some practices or whatever it may be. And now they're like, oh, let's try and work out a system and a structure to give people time and to actually work out what we really want to achieve from this thing, if anything, in the medium term. And that's why it's this, you know, it's it's hard for us as advisors, clients keep going, what do I do? What is the answer? And the answer keeps moving (laughs) on an almost monthly basis, which is pretty frustrating for everybody. So... Yeah. Agreed. I think those, as we, we've talked about at a, at a dental conference, we're both at recently, we're talking about, you know, the goalposts just keep moving. It's like, well, hold on. What am I aiming for? What have we got to tell my clients if you just keep slightly changing this and releasing something new? So it feels like COVID times where there's just new things coming out and you've got to adapt and change with it on the spot. 
Um, so yeah, Queensland, they have come out with one expressions of interest or the, the nomination. I think, can't think of the terminology used, but that's due 29 September. Correct. So it's coming yeah. up. Yep, and it's an it is an EOI. So there's an online sort of form slash portal where you just register your practice's interest in applying for this amnesty. And you have to do that. So far, I'm not saying it won't change either because things have changed, but at the moment, there is a hard deadline for that and you have to mm. do it on the 29th of September. Which is interesting. It's 29th of September, but not a not a 30 September, a 29. It's yep. a bit of a weird, you know, pick a date. <laughs> Uh, I don't know the significance of that date, but they've got one at yeah, 29th yep. of, of uh, September. Yeah. And that if you apply or put in your expression of interest for this amnesty, from my understanding, I guess, and from my understanding, they come back to you then and ask for more documents, so they ask for contracts, details of wages, details of payments to contracting doctors that may now be considered wages, but you're under the amnesty. Uh, and you've got to submit all those by a certain date as well? Is that Correct. So you've got until the end, uh, again, my understanding, it keeps moving, but you've got until the end of the amnesty period, which is in Queensland, guys, is 30 June 2025. So there's a two-pronged process. You have to put an expression of interest. I suspect that's so the respective governments know how many practices they're dealing with and what's going on a little bit. But then there's a much longer period of time to supply them with various information, five years historical financials of payments made and contracted in inverted commas GPs um, and so on. And also that I think there's some additional potentially voluntary information, contracts, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, if you are going to provide them with um, financial data, you'd probably want, you know, your finalised proper audit accounts, not things that you're just being dawdling through or aren't finished. Um, if you're holding it out to a government or regulatory body, you want it to be accurate and spot on. And then same with your contracts and your arrangements, guys. If you are looking to change things or looking to be at best practice standard or you're on handshake arrangements with your best friend at the moment, you need your ducks in a row before you start telling this body that might determine whether you're liable for this stuff in the future or not, you want to put your best foot forward for sure. You'd want to seek genuinely, I know it's very self-serving, but you know, proper, proper independent accounting, maybe even modelling on exposures and things. You know, when we're talking about opting yeah. in and opting out, and I've veered off a bit here, but um, if you were way under a threshold and never going to be and you're only going to say a certain size, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that might be one example where a blanket yes register or don't re isn't appropriate. You know what I mean? Like it's a case yeah. by case looking at whether it applies to you or not um, and so on in, the, in those circumstances. So you really need to to get that independent. Same with providing a contract. If you you'd want to have it reviewed, you'd want to make sure that that's how, in practical sense, you know. Sometimes as well, just because there's a contract there, doesn't mean that's what's happening within the practice. Yeah, um, and you know, have it. We've had to modify Hill House itself, some of its own service arrangements in in the recent history in terms of what was good law or compliant is now being tested. And so you go, there's discussions to have with clients. You know, one example might be, um, Brennan, I think we spoke about it briefly earlier. You might want to have patient control and restraints and things, and you want that from a business efficacy perspective. But then if you have those in there, your exposure on this other side on the payroll, it's very hard to say, oh, no, they're contracting doctors and they're independent and it's not taxable wages, but I control huge components of their movements and operations yeah. and posts. But post. they're, practice, they're patients of the practice. Well, exactly. So it's, uh, you know, it. 
you need to have those discussions with your expert advisors and work out which side of that line you do or don't fall on in a practical sense and for business operation purposes yep. and, and choose one and have a document that reflects what matters to you and how you are practicing genuinely. So Yeah, hundred percent. So I think, and we, yeah, that's where I see it as well. If you're, if you want that as a practice owner or as a practice, if you want that control of the patients and you want to make sure you continue that, and that might be very relevant for a smaller practice, two or three doctors, you want to keep that practice. You plan on being small. You might even look at your numbers. And as you say, maybe you're under the 1.3 odd million in, in wages and super and stuff. And you think, well, actually, if I'm under that, my exposure to, um, payroll tax in the future is pretty low, pretty minimal. It's zero or it's five grand or it's 10 grand. Talk to your accountant, get that worked out, get the detail. It's pretty low. Maybe I do want a contract that keeps the patients with that of the practice. And then on the other side, you might have someone who's a much bigger practice and goes, well, it's not really the way it works. In reality, the patients are probably going to go with the doctor anyway. We can't probably do that much to keep them you know, in reality, do we have our agreements a bit more in line with how it actually works in reality? And we have it lined up where the, the patients are that of the doctor. And then we put the flow of funds, which is very, very important, having the flow of funds go either direct to the doctor or to a nominee of the doctor in some way, not um, not through the practice and not controlled by the practice in any way, and then charge them a service fee and, and potentially or likely not pay payroll tax if you've got it all in a row. Yeah, so it's a question of, do we pay payroll tax, cost of doing business and keep control of the patients or do we <clears throat> have agreements in place with our contracting doctors where they are independent contractors with their own patients, collect their own billings and we charge them a service fee? And I'm simplifying it, but all the other ducks lined up in a row, getting new updated contracts, as you said, Zach, that even your, you know, even your own ones, I guess, four or five years ago, probably wouldn't be as relevant now with all of this change that's happened. You really, if you haven't updated your contracts for the last six months or twelve months, I'd say you need to really consider them pretty heavily. <laughs> yeah, or or appreciate that that level of a potential, you know, control or issues that are in them. That's fine, and it gives you certainty on that side, but it gives you a risk exposure now on this other side. And if yeah. you're prepared to accept that risk or pay that cost, and it's a cost of doing business, and you now model and provision for it, so be it. But if you're there going, you know. I think that's again why you come back to like seeking that expert advice and that modeling all those numbers. If your exposure is zero or five bucks, even not even the control side, the compliance cost, if you say, yeah, redoing all these contracts and negotiating with my doctor and doing this and doing that costs X dollars and that's more than the payroll tax exposure, well, what's the point? But if you're yeah. there going, you know, we've got six massive six figure or seven figure sums of money and exposures to worry about, then of course, it's a very different conversation with a much larger practice with a much larger exposure. Absolutely. And as you said, it's, you know, it's talk to your accountant, talk to your lawyer. Uh, <laughs> sounds a bit uh, hypocritical. We are accountants and lawyers here. It sounds like we're just pitching purely for the work, but this is an info session we're doing as well. But it's talk to your accountants and lawyers, understand your exposure, understand what you should have in place. Don't just start filling out an amnesty and hope for the best. And then don't just wait two years and think I'll sort that out. What did he say? June 25? <laughs> you need to get those documents done now. We need to get things in order, looking correct. You'll be submitting stuff to a government body uh, reasonably quickly. You kind of want to make sure you've got those things in place, ready to go. You've got your systems in place, ready to go. You've worked out the flow of funds and how that works, the practices around the place. Yeah, it's really one of those things that I think people can sometimes think, oh, that's a long way away. I'll apply for that amnesty, deal with that later. I think that's where there's going to be uh, issues if that happens. I agree. And 
look, they say, you know, if you do apply for it, then you've got that safety net on payment exposure in that period of time. But if it takes you 18 months to provide documentation to them, they'll, I reckon if they were in a cascading auditing list, like why does it take, why did one practice give it to us the first week and why did one not give it to us for two years? They might start to think like maybe it took them that long to get themselves organised or maybe they're not, we'll start there. I don't know, that's pure spec, but there'd be some things there. It's also probably worth mentioning on that workflow, Brendan, before we you know jump around further, um, not applying there's a there's an indication again this is just pure speculation but if we're trying to guide people on their decision making you've got to pick something um and they they seem to indicate there could be you know an increased audit activity obviously it'll be directed immediately to the ones that didn't apply and then again if you're not nominating in but you want to have those contracts ready and put best practice forward if you do get audited because if you don't nominate in and they do audit you you don't want to say oh we're we're thinking of improving our agreements by June 30, 25. They're going to come at you now and see what's yeah, like- out. So, um, again, you want to have the best case scenario to repel any such audit if you can, um, including in flow of funds, the operations, and what your your agreements say to try and at least best protect you or make it harder for them to find you fall foul of the rules. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they've got a two-year window. Of, they're giving this amnesty for people who put in an expression of interest. Pretty sure their audit list over that next two years is going to be people who didn't, and yep. they're going to be looking through those. And, and as we touched on too, if you if you do apply for the, put this expression of interest in, whether you they ask you for documents and you provide them in the first month, you probably look good. But even better, if you provide them good, nice documents that are in order, that are pretty, that meet all the requirements, that is a lot better than just some scratchy stuff that you've had in the past. Well, yeah, the auditors are people. They're going to look at it and go, well, this looks all in order. I'm happy with this. Tick. <laughs> Whereas if you slow in getting stuff, you provide poor documentation, they're going to go, well, this looks terrible. We're going to have a look and see if they have this fixed this up in another couple of years and we'll, we'll come back to that one. So, yeah, I would think the process is really, if you're applying for the, well, sorry, talk to your accountant, talk to your lawyers, understand your uh, exposure. Once you know what your exposure is, decide if you're going to apply for the amnesty or decide if you're maybe under the threshold or it's not too big a cost for you as doing business and, it's, and you want more of that control of the patients fine go down that track but either way now is also the time get your systems in order get your contracts get your processes get everything right because that's the way it is going you're going to have to do it if you delay too long it'll just take forever to do it it'll be a clunky change and you might be higher on that list of of checking and no one really wants to be dragged over the coals even if they've got everything looking squeaky clean and 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 as it should yep i agree i think brandon one other thing that's worth mentioning and we brought it up briefly but as that flow of funds issue um there are various providers and people banks otherwise starting to grapple with this concept to try and come up with innovative solutions um to make sure that the the flow of funds is is correct and is compliant um and that's another thing you know talk to your accountants talk to your banking institutions etc and see what's available for you to make that fee collection and distribution Mm compliant and easier than you know i'm using a a pretty uh, you know major you know extreme example but you know then having 45 different terminals and trying to keep a track of stuff in a big super practice is pretty challenging um there's better ways of doing that now and they need to be explored because if the money's flowing the wrong way even with the documents and other things you're in a lot of trouble straight away 
Yeah, we're doing something similar on that, Zach. It's, I feel like you've led into me there, but that's a beautiful line. But uh, yeah, we've got a billing collection service we're running where we actually contract with the contracting doctors. We have an agreement with them to collect it on their behalf, and then uh, and then we the practice then bills bills them, but we collect the money on behalf of the doctors and not an arrangement with the practice, but with the doctors themselves. So it's yep. uh, it's a changing landscape and a changing goalpost, as you say, and that's. Yeah, because having 15 terminals out the front isn't normally, or 40 terminals is, isn't the best option. So we've got to come up with ways to work, make this work for everyone. So, yeah, look, Zach, appreciate your time. Zach Herbst from Hill House Legal Partners. Thank you for joining us. Bit of a medical expert, his team are that we're in Brisbane. We touched on other states, but talk to, talk to your accountants, talk to people who know accountants and lawyers. You really need to get on top of this. Uh, there's an amnesty coming 29th of September in Queensland. Need to get your expression of interest in and need to get all your ducks lined up and in a row. Zach, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for joining us. How do people get in contact with you if they want to chat to you about this a bit more? Yeah, sure. Well, once again, thanks, Brendan, and the team of Prosperity for having me and for everyone for tuning in and having a listen. Uh, my name's Zach Herbst. I'm the Managing Director at Hill House and uh, you can contact me probably by email. It's just Zach at hillhouse, H-I-L-L-H-O-U-S-E.com.au or uh, give me a call at the office on 07-3220-1144. We'd love to hear from you and give you a hand if you need it. Yes, Thanks, I'll put those up in the uh, in the notes as well on the, on the podcast for everyone to find it. So appreciate it. Thanks, guys, and thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Ta. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. Hopefully you liked it. And if so, please give us a few stars, like and share. And if you'd like to follow the series, please subscribe uh, and pass any information on to your friends as well if they, you think they might like it. For more information about who we are, head to prosperity.com.au and follow the links.